everybody, and welcome to Classical Stuff You Should Know. We're a podcast about the classical world, old books, old literature. You get the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm here with some compatriots. I have Graham Donaldson here. Wait, you're, Thomas, you're going to let Tom, AJ just say, like, you know the whole thing and mm-hmm. not criticize his intro, but when I say, like, old stuff, old books, you're like, uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> anyway, my name is Thomas, and AJ, I thought that was a delightful <laughs> oh, introduction. And uh, yeah, We've wish, done it a thousand times. If this is your first time say, here, listen to the back catalog, I wish man. some other co-hosts on this podcast would kind of oh, mimic maybe the my introduction word. that you just did and not do whatever they're doing. Yeah. So, um, Jeez Louise. Great Fine. job, AJ. All right. Well, thank you, Thomas. Yeah, I appreciate great. that. I'm doing the next one. Uh, well, the important <laughs> thing is that I used verbs. We are... <laughs> We are a podcast about this instead of we podcast uh-huh. about this. One of those is a linking verb, and uh-huh. one of those is a verby verb. A verby verb, yes, exactly. Which is, I think, what we're talking about today. Linking verbs we are podcast. great, right? Yeah. We, we, instead of we are podcasters, yeah, yeah, yeah. we podcast um, regularly. I podcast, you podcast, we podcasted. Uh-huh. Podcast them, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, yes, so today we are talking about writing. A couple of, like, maybe 15 episodes ago or so, we did an episode on, I think it's called The Pomposity of GP, of ChatGPT, uh-huh. and we talked a little bit about tone. And in that episode, we talked about tonal errors and the type of tone that ChatGPT takes on. So that, that was an episode we did on writing. And then years and years and years ago, we did an episode, I think, called How to Write Gooder. Didn't um, we do how to, how to Write Gooder 2? I, I thought that so. was the ChatGPT one. Oh, was it? Yeah. Wasn't it? I don't oh. know. Anyway, um, so we did that a long time ago, and um, uh, we, as so for you listening to the podcast, AJ and I are English teachers at Veritas Academy in Austin, Texas. We're not just podcasters. <laughs> um, we teach. We we, we have are, we, we not have, our teachers. Oh, we teach. Thank yeah. you. And so we're going to be talking um, about. <laughs> Three, there's five, but I, I, I think the, the last two are, aren't as important. We're going to be talking about three preferences that you as a writer can choose, and they're very easy, and they're going to turn a boring sentence or a boring paragraph or sort of like a standard paragraph into something better. And um, I've played around a little bit with, little bit with listening to, or with reading chat GPT essays and, and, and sort of generating, like putting my prompts as a teacher into them and seeing what kind of writing I get. And um, chat GPT tends to sort of like fall into using lots of nouns as opposed to using lots of verbs, probably because the language models that they are learning from are generated by humans in the last 14 years on the internet, and most of our writing, we use lots of nouns and very few verbs. Okay, so today we're going to be talking about how to improve your writing. And gentlemen, you have in front of you... Um, this feels wrong, right? Why does this feel wrong? So I believe what we have in front of us are uh, submissions from your students. So we have four introductions. I'm going to read all of them. I went on my Google Drive, and I just typed in Romeo and Juliet, because I teach that book, and I found essays that students had shared with me over the years when they're turning in papers as far back as like 2015. And I have absolutely no idea who these students are. I mean, I know who they are when I look at, read their names, but uh-huh. I, I cut and pasted just random paragraphs from papers, mm-hmm. put them in a doc and printed them off. Now, unfortunately, the ones that I, I photocopied for you have some of my notes on them. So you can just ignore those. But we are, um, I'm going to, first I'm going to read a paragraph. Um, uh, yeah, I'm going to read a paragraph, and as you listen to it, you are going to, well, you tell me, I don't know, AJ's going to know all the answers. Um, That's fine. 
I guess I just want to read it, and I want you to hear okay. how kind of like awkwardly phrased it is. Okay. And we'll, we're, we're going to talk about how we can use these three preferences to turn something that is awkwardly phrased. There's nothing wrong with the ideas in this paragraph, but the writing of it is a little difficult. So here, I'm going to read it. And so it's an essay on Romeo and Juliet. Um, self-control is something all humans and living things lack. Some lack it more than others, but we can all obtain it by practice. Through living and experiencing, we learn how to get our fingers around our emotions and actions, even though we occasionally lose a grip. Feelings, actions, and words are what we learn to control. If you lack self-control, then you are a slave to your emotions. Romeo Montague is a perfect picture of being a slave to emotions. Though Romeo may be a youth when we read about him in Romeo and Juliet by William Shakespeare, we get an example of how lacking a grip on your emotions and actions is a setup for failure. Throughout the course of the book, Romeo makes decisions based on pure emotions. Healthy or harmful those emotions might be, he acts on whatever he feels. Romeo lets his emotions, passions, and choices slip his grasp, causing heartbreak and death. Okay, it's a pretty standard, like, 10th grade style writing. There are some little passages in there that are okay. There are some passages in there that are not okay. And we are going to talk about... Uh, so you you sort of you've heard that, and as you're listening to it, you're like, oh, this sound. This is sort of maybe just you listener at home, and Thomas and you and AJ just reading it and looking at it. It is not easy to fully absorb the ideas that are being presented in the paragraph. There are some things where you're like, I think I know what they're trying to say. There's other passages where you're like, that's sort of an, um, you are lacking a vocab word that is going to like make this shine. So the question is. Um, are there things that we can turn to in order to, like, fix writing like this? And there are. So let's go through them. All right. So the first thing is, is what AJ alluded to in the introduction. And if you are writing, and you are, you, if you are writing something for work, if you're delivering a speech, if you're writing an essay, if you're doing any kind of writing, once you've finished your first draft, you should go through it, and you should look for clusters of nouns. You should try to put change as many nouns into verbs as possible. Um, nouns sort of fill up sentences with like objects. I mean, that's what they are. Uh, nouns fill up sentences with like clunky things that you kind of have to picture. And if you don't have enough verbs in there, you're just going to have a big selection of nouns with some kind of pardon me, with some kind of to-be verb, some kind of verb of existence. Um, so, um, so that first sentence, self-control is something all humans and living creatures lack. So we, we'll talk about the problem with humans and living things. Um, uh, self-control is something, let's just make it easier. Self-control is something creatures lack. What is the verb in that sentence, Mr. Magby? Is. Is. That's right. So we have an is verb, and... Um, and we have self-control and we have creatures, uh, and the lack of self-control is a state of being. So if the first preference that you should do if you're wanting to improve your writing is to get, is to try to turn as many nouns into verbs as possible. Um, let me give you an example. So let's say that it's Saturday, it's, it, Thomas, it's Saturday morning. Uh-huh, yeah. And you hear a knock at your door. Yeah. Oh, hello? Who is a it? knock at your door. Yeah. And you go down and you open the door and yep. there standing on your porch is like a jaunty little door-to-door -door salesman. Great. Wonderful. And he's got a suitcase 
And he's like, good morning, sir. Yes. And he is going door to door because he is trying to sell you a book. Okay. And he's selling you a book. You notice that uh, you see a sort of truck that he's driving as he goes door to door, and there's like soccer balls and hockey sticks and like footballs and baseball bats in the back of his truck and everything. You're like, huh, interesting. Strange. And you say to this, he thought you were a nerd. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he's got all that stuff for everybody else. But you, yeah, like, no, no, this no. guy's a book. No, guy he's coming to sell book. you. He's selling you the book. <laughs> he knows his audience. Yeah. <laughs> and you say, he's like, I want to sell you this book. And you say, what is? What's the book about? And this is the sentence he says. Um, the subject of this book is low budget sports promotion techniques. That's what he says. That's the sentence. The subject of this book is low budget sports promotion techniques. Okay. You can kind of understand what the book is. Kind of. But what's, again, what is the verb in that sentence? Is. Is. And then, the bo- so the book has a state of being, uh-huh. and the state of being is, the book is about low-budget sports promotion techniques. So that whole big run of sentences, low-budget sports promotion techniques, is acting like the state of being of the book. It's acting like this noun for the book. It's acting like this sort of, you know, the, the, what the book is. Yeah. But with embedded in that phrase, in those in those words, low budget sports promotion techniques, is two um, nouns is, is two nouns that we can turn into verbs. Um, and if we and if we wanted to change the sentence from the subject of this book is low budget sports promotion techniques, well, let's see if we can do it. So maybe change that sentence to give me verbs uh, to, uh, that aren't. Uh, to give me some active verbs, give me some, uh, take some of those nouns or, and, and give me some verbs. What's that so book the one, about? But I'm not, I'm not going to do it right, but it's the, this book teaches you how to promote sports. Okay. So good. You, you took, um, so instead of promoting Promotion. techniques, yeah. you t- gave me the verb promote. Promote. So right. there's promote and then it's promoting sports. Um, and low budget. What low budget. That? Yeah. Okay. Without, so if you're doing something low budget wise in a low you're budget way, yeah, yeah and then there's less. the other thriftily. verb. Yeah. Yes, you could do thriftily, or you could say without spending lots of money, and yeah. spending is your second verb. Right. So if the door-to-door salesman said, this book tells you how to promote sports without spending a lot of money, that's way easier, and that's a better sentence. Right. And that is a better written and a better communicated sentence than the subject of this book is low-budget sports promotion techniques. But Graham, I don't feel confused, which means they don't sound as smart to me. Is that a problem? Yeah, that is a problem, AJ. And we talked about that cool. problem when we were talking about um, uh, tone, write, yeah. uh, that sort of highbrowism tone, where m- lots of academic writing is where the sentences are talking about like these abstract states of being, and most of the time the verb is a linking verb, is a to-be verb. Um, so-and-so is an adherent to the such-and-such philosophy, um, Instead of so and so believes in, or you could even say like you you can give me the the proponents of that philosophy. So like so and so is a Stoic. Well, you can only really understand what that sentence means uh, if you understand what Stoicism, this abstract concept, is. But if you said, um, but if you said, so if you said John is a Stoic, or um, uh, you know John controls his passions. Right. Well, that's a whole. That's a completely you. You don't need to know what the word Stoic means in order to understand the sentence. Um, so you don't have to have this like Rolodex of nouns if you have good verbs. Now, so changing, putting, uh, changing things into verbs is the best, is sort of the first thing that everybody should do. So if you are wanting, you writer at home, or wanting to improve your writing, every time you write a sentence, or every time you write a paragraph, or every time you're composing something, an email, something for work, a speech you're giving, when you're done, go through it, and circle every single 
linking verb that you can find. So that's is, are, what other linking verbs are there? Are, am, is, was, yep. were, being, that's being. That's right. Well, those are all the to be verbs. There's, yes. a, there's a lot more there's than that. There's like other linking verbs. or. Yep. And, and seems. Anything, anything basically means is, yeah. right? Well, let's talk, well, let's, let's talk more about linking verbs. So, but our first rule, our first preference we should do is try to limit the amount of nouns in your writing as possible and try to put as many verbs in your writing as possible. Um, this is actually really hard for us as modern people because we don't have, does the average person, and that's us included, we don't really have a deep vocabulary of verbs right. like we have a deep vocabulary of nouns. Um, so you guys make fun of me for not going to Marvel movies. Yeah. So here, so let's say I, I acquiesced and I said, Thomas, mm -hmm. take me to go see Marvel 12 <clears throat> yeah. or whatever's coming yeah. out. And, um, if we went to that movie and I sat in there and I was and watching and I was watching what yeah. was going on and someone came on the screen, I'd say, Hey Thomas, who's that guy? I whisper, Thomas, who's that? And you say, that's Spider-Man. <laughs> and I say, like, oh, yeah. cool. Right. You couldn't put that together? And then yeah. someone else comes on screen. I'd say, hey, Thomas, who's that? And you say, that's Captain Wonderful. I'd be like, oh, okay. <laughs> I love Captain Wonderful. Yeah, and then sure. there's like point. some sort of throbbing machine on screen. Uh -huh. I'm yeah. like, hey, Thomas, what's that thing? You're like, that's the... To the Tessamac. My, my voice has really changed. <laughs> did you just say Tessamac? Did you just make up Tessamac? I, uh, I, watched, I did watch the first one <laughs> yeah, or whatever okay. it was. And then you're like, that's the, that's the big, that's the MacGuffin that uh -huh. you need to destroy by yep. the end of the movie. Okay. Yeah. So if we watch a movie, I'm asking you. I sound so cool. Yeah, you wow, sound that's so incredible. Cool. If I'm watching a Marvel movie, I'm asking you about to identify all the nouns. Yeah. And by the time I leave that movie, I've got a huge list of like nouns. Yeah. Now, if we were watching the Marvel movie and all the Marvels, uh -huh. yeah. the Avengers, yeah. if they were flashing, if they were like whisking across the screen, racing towards the bad guy, yeah. I wouldn't lean over to you and say, hey, Thomas, what words would you use to describe this motion? Would you say that they are flying or would you say that they are... Uh, have been catapulted? Are they zooming? Are they zooming? What word would best describes what we're seeing? We don't do that. Prancing. Prancing. <laughs> I watched that movie. Yeah, um, to the Tesseract. To the Tesseract. <laughs> Off we go. Um, so because we don't, because we, you know, we observe the world with eyes and huh. we, you know, and we, um, and if we're walking around and I say, hey, what's that? You're going to tell me what the name of the noun is. Yep. But we don't often ask for the vocabulary word for the verb. We just naturally don't have as deep a repository of, of verbs at our fingertips as we do nouns. And so I'm convinced, as someone who has now taught writing for 10, 11 years, is that when someone is sitting down to think up a sentence or to try to communicate an idea, they naturally go to what they have a deeper pool of, and that's nouns. And so if you're naturally going to fill your sentences with nouns, um, uh, uh, you, all, and the only verbs you're going to have end up being sort of weak linking verbs, and then you have that, that is sort of the hallmark of that kind of clunky writing is one that turns verbs like promoting and spending to low budget and promotion techniques. Yep. And so the first rule is learn verbs. So I have a list of a thousand verbs and I'm going to read them to you. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Can I ask you a question? Mm -hmm. This might be just specific to this example here, sure. but the so the first sentence is we've we've simplified one of the phrases. So currently is self control is something all creatures lack. Yep. So also just moving it so that something all creatures lack is self or um, all creatures lack self control. Mm -hmm. 
So I know I've, uh, that lack has now kind of moved position. Yeah. But isn't isn't there something to just kind of like the moving the words around? For also? sure. Is I that, think all creatures lack self-control is a great sentence. It's, it's, better. Way, it's way better. But you could go to all creatures have trouble controlling themselves. Yeah. You could also say have trouble and then use controlling themselves. Um, there probably even also is a, a verb that none of us really have ready at our fingertips that has to do with the action of self-control. Mm. Uh, there's, it's probably, you know, I don't know. Abstention? Yeah, maybe. Abstain? Yeah. Well, I don't know. We, again, we, but yes, um, all creatures lack self-control or creatures have uh, trouble controlling themselves is um, a, a better turn by, limit, by limiting that sort of verb of being. Yep. And that's going to be our second rule. So our first rule is, is try to get as many verbs as possible in your sentence and as many nouns out of that sentence. And more often than not, you're going to have nouns that can turn into verbs. Like low budget, a, low bu- a book about low-budget techniques becomes a book about not spending a lot of money. Um, and if you'll notice that sometimes it does mean that your sentence is longer in terms of words. When AJ said, all creatures have trouble controlling, what did you say, have trouble controlling themselves? Yeah. You've, you've actually made the sentence, if not longer, had, had, you have more sort of like 10 cent words in there. Um, um, and there's nothing, there's nothing wrong with that. I think a lot of people think brevity is the best kind of sentence. And so you get into these little punchy to be, sent, to be verb sentences. Right. So um, the best thing that anybody can do if they're really wanting to improve their writing is to go find a list of verbs and just try, like, learning verbs you don't know. Uh, Because if you, like, I even have a list here. I have a list of 1,000 verbs that I make my students do vocab from. Like, um... Oh, you actually have a list of 1,000 verbs? Oh, yeah. Oh, cool. Um, You know... You must be really fun at parties. I'm super fun at parties. I'm super fun at podcasts. Yeah. You know, boast, bray, break, broadcast... Um, conquer, confess, conduct, conclude, complain. Like, I know it sounds kind of trite and silly, but a, but a writing that actually has the perfect verb in there, as opposed to a noun acting as a, as a, a noun as acting as a state of being, mm-hmm. is um, such a better sentence. Yeah. And so, um, do you know why it's better? Um, because you end up picturing. So instead of just having like. In your I, well, one theory is instead of just having in your mind a bunch of objects in a state of being that you can't really picture. So like a low budget sports promotion technique book is just like it's not doing anything if you're picturing it. It just is this thing. Um, but if you say a book that uh, um, how to a book that tells you how to promote local sports without spending much money, you start putting a little man in your head doing actions like. He's learned how to promote sports. Maybe he's going door to door. Maybe he's doing such and such. And you actually end up getting like a he's got sentence. Shabby pants. Yeah, you have a sentence that's got motion, right? You've got somebody that's got uh, that's doing something in your sentence, and it's just sort of um, it's actually ending up turning the sentence instead of an abstract state of being into a sentence that's talking about motion, and it's easier to quickly absorb a sentence about motion than it is about an abstract state of being. Well, it's also using much more concrete things, yeah. right? How to promote sports without spending much money. So I have money, sports, mm-hmm. those are my nouns rather than low-budget low budget promotion techniques, techniques, which I can't really picture. You can't really picture, exactly, yeah. So preference number one, um, learn verbs and try to fill your sentences with verbs. Preference number two, and we've been alluding to it. When it comes to picking verbs, um, prefer action verbs to linking verbs. So an action verb is a verb that is, you know, like 
running, jumping, promoting, um, uh, controlling, uh, answer, apologize, applaud. These are these are action verbs. And linking verbs, we've already mentioned that. So we got the to be verbs, is, was, were, am. Is, am, are, was, were, will be. Yeah. And then there are, and then other linking verbs are um, things like become, looked, look, seem, appear, affect. Those are also linking verbs. Now, the, the reason why you want to eliminate these verbs in your sentences is because they don't do very much, especially my most hated word of all, affect. Wait, like A-F-F-E-C-T? That's a linking verb? Are you um, sure? AJ, you affect me. Well, it's vague, but I still think it's an action verb, right? Like, it is some sort of sure. action. But what is, what is it? Yeah, it's, but it's, a, it's an incredibly vague it action verb. It is an verb, action. It is a, if it is an action verb, it is a verb that requires a follow-up sentence to describe what it is. Fully so, agree. So if I said, AJ, you affect me. I have no idea what that is, yeah. right? Like, Every time I see AJ, I am inspired to be a better man. That, that's an effect. Where every time I see AJ, I want to shove him in a locker. Mm-hmm. That's another effect. Every time I see Graham, he hacks off one of my knees. That's right. <laughs> he, aff- has, he has affected me greatly. He's definitely affected my day. Yeah. 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 So um, uh, if you are writing, if you are using the word effect uh-huh. in your writing or appears or looks or seems, you are signing yourself up for a subsequent sentence that you need in order to describe the sentence that came before it. I tell my students about this as a, sorry, I'm not, I don't know hijack no, the podcast. I call them setup and punchline sentences mm-hmm. where you give them something that vaguely hints at what you were actually going to tell them in the next sentence. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think it comes from the internet, mm. right? He did this and she was so shocked. Click here to find out why, uh-huh. right? Where then they, <laughs> then they finally deliver it, right? She did something that greatly affected me. She cut off her aunt's head with a hatchet and buried it in the yard. Oh, okay. Well, if you just say she cut off her aunt's head with a hatchet, you know someone's someone's getting affected yes. somewhere, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. You really don't need that setup sentence. Just give me the punchline, right? It's it's already there. You don't need you don't need to like prop it up by giving me a sentence preparing me for the thing you really want to tell me. Just exactly. tell me that thing. Just tell me that thing. Exactly. It's it's a habit that I think we glean from the internet. Mm-hmm. I think it's a habit we glean from the internet. I think it's a habit we glean when we are wanting to hedge our argument because we're worried someone's going to say, if you said. Um, you know, um, um, AJ inspires me and someone's like, why? He's just blah. Yeah. Um, tell me about it. Uh, <laughs> whereas if I said AJ affects me, like, you know, I, I think people do it to try to like hide behind, not be, not trying to make a definitive statement about their thoughts. Well, I don't know that it's hedging so much as just no thought effort. Or no thought effort if at I all. If I say yeah. you affect me, I, I'm basically dancing around having any sort of thought yeah. in the gray matter in my skull. Mm-hmm. It's it's a way to write without any effort at all. And yeah. I think that's the key. It right? feels, it how feels many professional, ha- but it isn't. Yes. Act, right? like, yeah. How many times have you as a student had to write something and you don't really want to give it the effort because you'd rather go play wiffle ball or whatever right. it is. And so you kind of floof out a whole bunch of garbage uh-huh. and all of it is going to be that greatly affected and ins- inspiration and just garbage words that don't actually have any thoughts behind them. Floof was a great verb. Yeah. that last sentence mm-hmm. so thank you for that yeah. thanks Romeo was affected by Juliet and it was his and it was uh, and ooh, I'm trying to think of what's the other phrase that happens a lot um, and it caused it caused death <laughs> yeah get that a lot Romeo was affected by Juliet and it caused his death <laughs> okay so we're on so we're trying to eliminate linking verbs yes now I have another sort of concern about linking verbs and the other thing that w- what happens is when you have a linking verb is you end up probably overstating. You're doing a pretty deep metaphysical thing 
when you're using a linking verb. And I think you are sometimes either doing intonations or connotations that you may not want that I don't think is completely benign. So um, if you said um, AJ is a bus driver versus if I did an action verb of AJ drives a bus, there is that, that like the on the on the immediate communication level of it, I haven't done very much of a difference. But on a deeper level, I have ascribed a status of being to AJ right. in one sentence. AJ is I a bus driver. A bus driver. And in the second one, I have just described an action that AJ does. AJ, AJ drives a bus. And I know this may be like an old man yells at clouds moment, but I do feel that like... <laughs> Tell us about the kids these days. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. no, I do feel that like <laughs> it, it, by using too many linking verbs, we end up creating deeper statements about like metaphysical realities about identity that we don't mean to say. Mm. Because... And I'll even give you this as an example. When I say AJ is a bus driver, if I use that as an example in class, I would sometimes get some snickers. And kids would be like, oh, that's all, he just drives a bus? Like, that's so sad. Like, he went to school and he has a college degree. He's just a bus driver. They have some sort of, unfortunately, they have some sort of negative connotation about being a bus driver. Oh. Um, um, but it, that, that, that doesn't come through if I said AJ drives a bus because he can be driving a bus for all sorts of reasons. Quick note, yeah. I was pulled up next to a bus heading to school the other day, yeah. and there was the bus driver in there had a little weight, and he was doing like twists <laughs> oh, and little cool. pumps, and I was like, that guy's a go-getter. Right? He's at his job, and he's getting fit at the yeah, same time. Yeah, the guy's time. getting fit. He's driving a bus. He probably was like, did that job for five years and realized, I sit all day. I right. need to do some Do motion. something. And yeah. So he's just up there crushing it at yeah. a stoplight. It was great. But so, aren't you giving mm-hmm. a, a reason why you might consider using the linking verb? Like, if I want to convey... If AJ if you is do. a bus driver in my story. Like, if you want to convey some sort of deep identity to somebody, the linking verb works. It's, okay. it's, a, it's a good thing. I'm not saying eliminate linking verbs altogether. Yeah. But I am saying that when, when you don't have a repository of verbs and all you have to communicate your understanding of the world is creating, to creating statuses of being that you ascribe to people with a linking verb, yep. I worry that like – that's you end up only viewing people as like as some sort of metaphysical states of something as opposed to like one-off actions. Well, even here in this paragraph you gave us, mm-hmm. if you lack self-control, then you are a slave to your emotions. Yes, exactly. Right, but not some people lack self-control about say dove bars mm-hmm. or whatever it is, dove candies. I don't know oh, if there's... Oh, I'm like, dive bars? <laughs> well, some people lack some emotions people there. Like, yeah, exactly. self-control Isn't too, a but... dove bar like a bar of soap? Oh, that's uh, true. Oh, I was thinking of those little the dove... Chocolate. Like the dove chocolate candies. Yeah. The, the little, little hearts. hearts. Yeah. Oh, made by dove. Cool. Yeah. So All bar right. was the wrong term there, yeah. but, you know, they, they lack self-control specifically. Would you say they're, they're a slave? No, you want to say they're a slave to your emotions? 100%. Yeah. It's, it's overstating, you know... It's overstating, and the fact that you use the to be verb means that you end up either overstating... The status is what of someone's you are. Identity. All this is of what you, you are. You are, are this. Slave. So, like, um, because they lacked sort of the uh, the a better descriptor verb to talk about being in a situation where you you wanted the, the candy and you couldn't resist the candy. Yeah. Uh, so no, you are a slave to your emotions. Um, um, Instead of something like emotions can enslave you if you don't resist them. Yeah. Um, but anyway, would that be its own kind of. Uh, 
is using a word like can acceptable or would that, is that something else that should be, I'm just wondering if that's its own form of hedging. You can be a slave to your emotions. Yeah. It is another form of hedging because yeah. then it's, it's, but in this case, it's true. You know, that it's not, mm-hmm. it's, it's not a, fl- you also have to avoid big sweeping statements. Yeah, yeah. That are true. Yeah. So anyway, so, and I, maybe we have, we can have more to say about this in the in between. Um, but I feel like, oh, there's a phrase I hate. In I shouldn't have said that. No, I feel like, oh, you think, um, does that really bother you? It I'm does. kind of okay with it now. But you feel like no, it really yeah. bothers me. I've banded on in um, <clears throat> class discussions. I just feel like that's kind <sighs> of a, a, a stretch, just kind of overstepping. Yeah. I yeah. just, oh, sorry. I think it's just modern no- nomenclature. I know it is modern yes. nomenclature, but it uh, it also communicates a certain kind of intellectual Pons. hedge. Oh, I just feel like it. But don't I assume all verbal fillers are just the chance for someone to come up with what they're thinking? Mm, maybe uh, that's you're it. You're ascribing more intent to it. I, well, I oh. uh, if not intent, it I. I feel like, oh yeah, say it, go for it. With not intent, my fear is that by having that be the way you construct sentences, you end up not being assertive enough in your own thoughts. Right. Because all it takes is someone to be like, you feel that way? Well, it's clearly not that way. And you're like, oh, well, I just said I feel like it. I didn't really think about it. You still have an out. Yeah, you still have an out. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's maybe where it started. Yeah. Now it's just the way people say, I think. You're right. I think yeah. you're right. You're correct. Um, anyway, so g- getting rid of linking verbs. So a very th- easy thing that you can do in your writing is as soon as you finished writing your, th- your thoughts and your ideas, your rough draft, is go through and every time you see is, are, to be, any sort of linking verb, just circle it. Just circle your to be verb. Sometimes you're gonna ha- they're going to have to stay there, and that's just the best way to construct the sentence with, with a to be verb. Right. But more often than not, you can change that sentence into something better by getting rid of that to be verb. And we'll try that with the student's paragraph in a little bit. So, um, and I do think there's a world of difference between AJ drives a bus and AJ is a bus driver. Because sure. AJ is not just a bus driver. AJ is more than that. He's a friend. He's a brother, a cr- Christian, uh, a colleague. A gentleman. Sometimes rock climber. Sometimes mm-hmm. rock climber. Yep. DJ. Synthesist. Synth- mm-hmm. There is a complexity to AJ Truly. that cannot be captured in one to be verb. That's true. He contains multitudes. He contains multitudes. Um, and I think definitely living in a world of an obsession with identity. Uh, I don't know with came with which dog is wagging which tail. I don't know if the if a culture obsessed with identity gravitates towards to be verbs. Or if bad writing created a culture of of obsessed with identity, right. who That's knows? Right. It doesn't really. Maybe it doesn't really matter. Or but. if really it's just a product of laziness. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well. Yeah. I think I think that's part of it. I mean, from the logic standpoint. Sorry. Again, hijacking. Mm. Do it. From the logic standpoint, every statement in the human language can be boiled down to a to be verb. Mm-hmm. Right. This is how categorical logic works. Yep. Uh, you need some sort of. Category A is category B. So all dogs are mouth breathers mm-hmm. would be a logical statement. Instead, any statement in the human language can you can do this with. No, you can't do it with questions or commands or anything like that. But most statements can be boiled down to this. And so if I'm a student and I need to f- put a sentence together. And you need to be making statements. The easiest default is to just go with the is. This is that. This is that. This equals that. This equals that. And it's the because you can do it with literally any idea, students do it automatically. Yep. And then you just get a big paper full of equal signs, and man, that's boring. Yes, and that's what the to-be verb ends up being, is, is an equal sign between two nouns. Yeah. This is that AJ is a bus driver. Um, I guess that's why I thought it would have made the writing clearer, because 
when you paint it in terms of logic, it's like, okay, uh, all dogs are mouth breathers. Mouth breathers are the worst. Therefore, dogs are the worst, right? Like that seems like I've made a clear argument in my paper, even if it's a slog to read through. Yeah, it's true. But I don't even know if it's clear. It's because it's so you, well, as we've seen in the examples, you don't give yourself any kind of room to make nuanced statements. Um, You're speaking in absolute terms about any giving into an emotion makes you a slave to those emotions. Yes, self-control is something all creatures lack. That's not. One, it's not true. And two, if it is true, it is true. It is functionally unhelpful because it's true by degrees. Mm. Like you lack control over eating a dove bar. You lack control because you can't go outside without weeping. Yeah. Right? Like those are two different things. I'm just imagining you eating soap. Yeah. I I lack self-control. I mean, um, I, I swear a lot. So I just need to wash my mouth out. Yeah, it's all, all creatures lack, all, all humans and living things lack self-control. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, but we also have self-control. Mm-hmm. So it's... Well, that's what, the, and what is the next, what does a writer feel? Some lack it more she, than others. They have exactly. to So it. he or she who wrote this paper realize the next sentence now needs to be, well, some lack it more than others, but we can all obtain it by practice. Yeah. So all living things can, can obtain better self-control through practice. Yeah. would be a better, simple sentence. That's just right. cut out the first sentence, yeah. basically. Yeah. Or, or, or um, like, discipline can be won through practice, or self-control can be slayed through practice, right? Slayed. You can put in a, an yeah. active verb. It, maybe that was a little cheesy. But <laughs> self-control can be conquered through practice. And you've communicated what you've said in those two sentences in, like, what, four words? Yeah. Five words? Mm-hmm. Do you have page um, requirements for your assignments? I don't. Okay. And this is why. I don't have page requirements or word requirements. I have paragraph requirements. Okay. And the reason why is because if you do page requirements, you get fluff. Mm-hmm. If you do, if you... Um, Same with words. And right? so then they also think, well, brevity is better, and then you get bad constructs of ideas because sometimes you need... Sometimes actually more words communicate the better verb. Right. Um, and so so I don't have those requirements in there. Um, I also don't do those requirements. I think it just trains students to be fluffy. Yeah. Sure. To, okay, so we've gotten to two preferences, and they're very linked. You want to fill your paper, your writing, with as many verbs as possible. And when you're selecting verbs, you want those verbs to be active verbs. Um, you want verbs that you can picture somebody doing something as opposed to verbs of being or something that looks like, seems, appears, or affects. Okay, number three. Um, when you are selecting nouns, which you are going to have to have nouns in your sentence, you want concrete nouns as opposed to abstract nouns. So concrete nouns, I don't even know what time it is. Concrete nouns stand for, um, stand for things. Um, tree, hog, fort, Hannenberg, Magby, mm-hmm. Oreo cookie. There's an Oreo cookie in front of me. I keep looking at it. All right, those are concrete nouns, whereas abstract nouns stand for ideas. So it's like the difference between saying the city of Austin needs more houses mm-hmm. and the city of Austin needs more housing. Um, housing is, a conc- is an abstract idea. Again, there's nothing wrong with having sentences with abstract ideas, yep. but you want to prefer the concrete over the abstract when you're writing something. And if you can make an abstract idea into the concrete... Even better. It's, it's better. And the thing is, um, you can have... So if you are writing something, and this happens a lot sort of in academic world or maybe in the business world, if you are talking a lot about ideas of something and you can't get away from it, you're talking about con- abstract ideas like, like whatever. Treatise on justice or yes, something. Philosophers treat- have to do this a lot. A treatise on justice. Yeah. If you do that for six sentences, 
The seventh sentence, if you can give a concrete example that illustrates the point, it is going to make pull everything together. Mm-hmm. And but those concrete examples are hard because you need to be a master of, or you need to be able to be, you need to be good at creating similes and metaphors, which we're going to talk about in this section. So, so abstract nouns stand for ideas: housing, sympathy, difficulty, any sort of ism, socialism, mm. capitalism, empiricism. Uh, any sort of ism is a um, is an idea that is hard to sort of communicate, and in many ways, like is a bit of a scourge in a history lesson because you will get silly students saying silly things like um, the Middle Ages ended because of the Renaissance. You're like, what, like the, we just walked in one day yeah, and just like flipped the tables. I yeah. declare yeah. Renaissance. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. And, and, and they, and they were taught this and, and the student, and then you say, well, what does that mean that the Middle Ages was ended by the Renaissance? And they're like, I don't know, like John Renaissance showed up and yeah. killed everybody. <laughs> like they don't know yeah. Yeah. Um, because it's an abstract idea. Right. Um, where if you can give me concrete examples um, um, and you have to tell a story. They, st- they discovered classical books of Aristotle and Plato and read them and it blew their minds. Mm-hmm. That means you're talking about the same thing. Right. Anyway, um, so um, this is an actual sentence from... Uh, one of our uh, uh, literature books, or sorry, one of our books on writing that AJ gave to me or a student gave to me. Well, w- w- Browns? No, what? not Browns. Um, Stone and Bell? Stone and Bell. Did, anyway. I get, I get, you so here's the book. Here's, this is the, I think. We, and we probably used this did. example before. Actually, no, I think a student gave it to me. Was it? I, oh, okay. th- um, I can't remember. Anyway, um, this is filled with abstract. And this is a quote, a pretty typical example of academic writing. Um, from the standpoint of the historical development of empirical observation and scientific inference, it is worth noting the author's acceptance of a subjective viewpoint in probability. Yowza. Yeah. That sounds like a very smart person. It sounds like but a very smart person. Like, I feel like, dumb, so they're smart. I want, to be that, I want to be the person writing sentences like that. Mm. Because, yeah. We'll hate, they sound, we'll hate you. Yeah, but like they sound smart. It's, sure. They sound smart, but smart, but like... <laughs> this is what perpetuates bad writing. This yes, is what perpetuates yeah. bad yeah. writing. And you need... you do, Like... This is not a sentence written for humans. This is a no. sentence written for the initiated. Yeah, yeah. Uh, for the people that like um, need to sort of go through the like gnostic training yeah. to get to get to the point where they can sort of understand this, yeah. and then they get, and then they you know they get told that they're smart with a degree. But isn't that true for? So, it's also I guess any of the abstract ideas, right? Like it, it only makes sense to the people who know what that idea means. And now, so you exactly. Find the people, yeah. Now the sentences. I mean, if you really sort of realize what the person's saying, yeah. it's not bad, yeah. and it's not wrong, and it's an interesting thought. But you need to give me the concrete example of what he's talking about. From the standpoint of the historical development of empirical observation in scientific inference, is essentially like as history, as history went on and science. Group like they're talking about like the history of of scientific the scientific method. It's worth noting that this author's acceptance of the subjective viewpoint in probability. So this person realized that you can't be fully objective, mm-hmm. right? In science, in science, yeah, that's what it's trying to say. And if you and if you went through that, I probably didn't get all the nuances of what's being talked about. But if you can translate that using Simpler. active verbs yep. and using verbs instead of nouns, like it is easier to absorb and. Uh, not the layman, but just like the, a person can sit down and read this. This is what makes um, 
good writing. Like this is why, and we use this example, this is why C.S. Lewis is, is so accessible to lots of people is that he's a, a, a Oxford and Cambridge professor, uh, Don, and, but he was a master at being able to use examples and linking verbs, or sorry, and active verbs in order to communicate things. I think it's also hard because it's an extra step for your reader that you're not, com- you tell them the idea you want them to get instead of telling them an example and having faith that they'll get the idea. Yes. So for example, here he could say, this author, well, I'd prefer his name, so let's mm-hmm. just say, Jones realized that you can't take people out of science and their emotions color everything. Yes, perfect. And you're saying the exact same thing. Right. Now, with that sentence that AJ just gave, you have to trust that the author, that the reader is clever enough to know that you're using a, a simile that is a stand-in for the big idea. Yeah. Well, I mean, they'll get the, that means get subjectivity. It. Exactly. Right? Um, so... Um, yeah, anyway, so anytime you, uh, so the next, so if you're thinking of, okay, what can I do with my writing, I square bracket anything that I write that I think can be, is, an, is an, uh, an abstract concept that can be put into the concrete. Concrete things are particulars. Um, um, if we said we need better, uh, Thomas, if you went into the office on Monday morning yep. and you sent a Slack message to everybody at yep. the office sure. and your Slack message said, we need better food in the office. Mm-hmm. Everyone's going to be like, here, here, Magby, you're mm-hmm. right. Yes. And one person's going to say, yes, we need more Veggie quinoa straws. and whole wheat bread. Yeah. And someone's going to be like, we need Cool Ranch Dorito fondues. Right. And I don't know what that is. <laughs> Fondue. That's so it's, gross. It's actually really disgusting. Um, gross, dude. As a and of both fact. of them have their own idea of what better is. And because, like, <laughs> trout. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Right, yes. <laughs> Raw trout. We need a we need like smoked bream. Yeah, yeah, um, <laughs> uh, yeah. Everyone's got their own view of what better is, and you yeah. have been so abstract with the concept of Everyone better yeah. that everybody agreed, and yeah. you didn't make any, and you didn't say anything. So, which is awesome, right? Which is awesome. Yeah, you get everyone to agree. Um, anyway, so you need to be concrete. Um, the if you are reading someone's writing, or if you're proofreading your own writing. If you ever get to a point where you're reading something and you're saying to yourself or to the author, can you give me an example? The, you have gone into abstract land. You, the, like, we need something concrete. Um, and it's, it's too irritating, right, uh, if you don't give examples. AG, do you want to explain what, what the rocks since you're, you, you were the one that went on the Colorado trip? Sure. Are we talking about yeah, rock, using like rocks numbers as and stuff? Or just just any, well, the thing is, rocks end up being. <laughs> no, you're talking about rocks. What are you, numbers? Rocks end up being concrete <laughs> examples. So when we when we work with our thesis students, one of the things we tell them is that they because they often deal in really really big numbers or abstract ideas that they need to give the audience something to hold on to. So on this one trip to Colorado with my freshman, we stopped at this tiny volcano. And they were going to tell us all about it. And I was like, that sounds like a drill in the knee. No, thank you. But they sat us down and they all, they handed us all a volcanic rock. And as they were talking about what happens in a volcanic eruption, they could point a little bit. So they'd say, see those red flecks. They come from this. You see that little dark black piece. This comes from this. And it ended up being really interesting because there was something for me, the layperson, to kind of hold and look at and, and understand, right? And so we do this specifically with numbers, right? Human brains don't work real good over anything above 100, so can you picture the difference between 1 billion people and 1 trillion people? Not really, not really, not effectively, yeah, or right. 10,000 to 60,000. I can't picture that in my head. Sure. But if I say it was enough people to fill this stadium, oh, that I can maybe 
picture yeah. or enough people to fill every stadium in the U S okay. That I kind of get better. Or if it's an amount of money, you could say it's enough to buy every single person in the U S a Bugatti. I'd be like, Oh, okay. I, I understand. That's a lot, a lot of money. Right. Yeah. So try to give the audience something that they can wrap their brain around yes. as an example of the thing you're trying to talk about. And if you do that, uh, um, it ends up, you can actually still, you, as we AJ sort of gave the example before, you can still keep your complicated language, but if you give that one sentence that sort of un, like envelops the complicated language, uh, envelops not every word that um, <laughs> that what am I trying to say? That sort of like encapsulates it. Yeah. Uh, so if we go back to that sentence, from the standpoint of the historical development of empirical observation and scientific inference, it's worth noting. Jones's acceptance of the subjective viewpoint in probability. And if you went on and said, he realized that in every lab coat, in every lab coat, there's still a man, right? Oh, like, that's so good. Some, you know, that's so a then, great something like that. Sure. Then you've given a concrete example. It's a metaphor. You're using, it's even a rhetorical trope. You're using a part for a whole in every lab coat. Or you could say, in every lab coat, there's still a beating heart. And you could use that as well, right? Um, I mean, that's a funny picture. It's but a really I'm very, on board. Funny, very funny. Yeah. <laughs> What's going on in this that's laboratory? Wrap it up and Disgusting. put it in the closet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, right? So you do that, and all of a sudden, the sentence that was hard to understand, you now get because you've, you've given the audience uh, the concrete example. The populace strove to establish justice in its borders rather than the people fought about how to best put murderers in jail. Yes, mm. exactly. So by giving the concrete example, and... Um, the book that we're talking about, Stone and Bell, they do they have another preference, which is prefer the personal to the impersonal. And I feel like prefer the concrete to the abstract and the personal to the impersonal impersonal are so close that they're almost the same concept. Yeah, and I think one is far more important. Mm-hmm. Concrete to abstract. Exactly. Abstract is far more. I mean, mm-hmm. putting people in your sentences is great, but you're mm-hmm. right. It's it's almost an offshoot or subset of concrete over abstract. That's right. So we have now our three preferences: prefer verbs to nouns prefer active verbs to linking verbs, and prefer concrete examples to abstract concepts, or at least give concrete things at the end of your your abstract writing uh, to make it work. So if we go back, and this is what we'll end with this, if we go back and look at our, um, uh, if we look at our our sentence that we had, well, we already fixed the first sentence, which was self-control is something all humans and living things lack. Some lack it more than others, but we can all obtain it by practice. We changed it to, Self-control can be won through discipline, or self-control can be won through uh, hard work, or um, um, if we and if we could probably think of really, if we really wanted to communicate that fact that everything lacks self-control in some measure, well, then we could we could put that in there. All right, let's keep going. Through, let's see, let's do this one. So through living and experiencing, there's an abstract concept that we should change. We learn how to get our fingers around our emotions and actions, even though we occasionally lose a grip. Now, I can just tell as a teacher, I can tell that I probably told the student, hey, give me, some, uh, yes. give me something concrete. Give me someone doing something. And they right. did. You know, it's a little hackney. It's a little, like, uh, it's a little shoehorned in there. But they tried. And that's, you need to, as a teacher, you really need to reward that try. And so, so yeah, so Thomas, you, you picked it up. What did they try to do? The fingers uh, uh, getting a grip on our yes, emotions. Yes, fingers getting a grip on your emotions. Now, it's super creepy. Yeah. We learn how to get our fingers around our emotions, and we la- sometimes lose a grip. But I can tell that I told the student or I taught the lesson, try to give me some, uh, something personal, somebody, give me an active verb, somebody doing something, and they have, like, our fingers wrapped around our emotions. So 
you know, God bless them. Like they they were they were doing what they did what they did. Right. I probably would have put a check mark next to that, even though it's still like a little. What are these check silly? marks? Hmm? What are these check marks here? Um, those are those are. Um, Does that just mean good? Yeah, they're not good. They're, those are those are my recognizing that they're trying to okay. do the 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 lesson. Got it. Okay. All right. Here we go. Feelings, actions, and words are what we can learn to control. So feelings, actions, and words. There are three somewhat abstract things that we could change by using a metaphor or similes or examples. Feelings, actions, and words can very easily be like our hands and our hearts, right? Sure. Uh, and that can that communicates how we hands, act. Hands, hearts, and tongues. Ugh. Yeah, you're right. Well, I mean, that's yeah. a day at the butcher, but. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Hands from your butcher? Yeah. You guys don't eat monkey? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, it's all the stewing meat. Yeah. Um, is stew a soup? Anyway, I'm not going back to that. No, no. So feelings, actions, and words can be, yeah, can be, can be hands, hearts, and tongues. Um, and we also flip it, so it's we can learn to control our hands, hearts, and tongues. Exactly, okay. yep. So um, learn instead of are mm-hmm. in the middle, yeah. Romeo Montague is a perfect picture of being a slave to emotions. Romeo Montague is a slave to his emotions. Okay, well, we've also got, we still got is. In that oh. sentence, there's a word that can be very easily be the active noun, or the active verb, and it's slave. Enslaved? Enslaved. And so who's doing the enslaving? His emotions. His emotions. Romeo's passions enslave him. Romeo's well, emotions enslave him. Yeah. Yeah. Is enslaved by his heart. In, well, uh, yeah. well, is enslaved as a version. Yeah, and you want to use the, and one of the preferences we haven't talked about is you also want to use the active voice over the passive voice. Yes. Yep. So you want the thing in your sentence that is doing the action to be in the forefront of your sentence. Right. Um, so you want, I visited the city of Boston as opposed to the city of Boston was visited by me. This is a, this is a preference. There are times when you can break there it. There are times when I've you should break it. When you're cosplaying as Yoda. <laughs> And that's um, the only one. Yeah. Exactly. That's great. It's a great point. I do that on the reds. As a 6'2 individual. <laughs> just about every weekend, I'm yeah, thinking. Strong Yoda energy from over yeah. here. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Uh-huh. You seek Yoda. Uh-huh. I do. <laughs> oh, there's a cringy moment in the podcast. All right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, yes, there are times when you would want to use the passive voice for sure. Um, but by and large, I, mean, I didn't I didn't cue this up as a preference. Um, but you, the thing is, when you are changing your sentences around, Romeo Montague is a perfect picture of being a slave to emotions. Um, the thing that is acting in that sentence is is his passions, is the emotions. So if, when you do put in, when you do t- take is a slave and put in the verb enslaved, have the emotions being the active thing in that sentence. Um, his passions enslaved him um, is, a, is a better construction. Now, Romy Montague is a p- picture of being a slave to emotions. Is there anything grammatically wrong? No. No. There's nothing wrong with it. If you just had like grammar spell checker or grammar checker on your computer, it's not going to flag it as being wrong. Grammarly might. They're getting really? pretty good They're getting at getting some good of at those. It? Yeah, just at making tone your, and that kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah, just making your writing stronger. Yeah. It's getting better. Um, but if in terms of style, in terms of preference, like – the ver- just that simple action of, of putting an active verb in there and having your sentences have concrete examples just ob- absolutely changes it. And if you are a reader of lots of volumes of re- – if, if you read for a living in an office, at school, if you're a student, 
if whatever you're doing, you read for a living uh, uh, um, people's, like your contemporaries' work, when you come across a sentence that has an action verb or has that like concrete example, like exactly when, when, I, when I just said like in every lab coat, uh, there's, still a, there's still a man. AJ was like, oh, it's so good. Like we get that reaction mm-hmm. yep. because the words just, just like it sings to you off the page. And you, you will even forgive the author for the, co- for the abstract concepts beforehand if that next sentence comes and it just has that perfect little uh, simile picture. And this was something Lewis was a master of. He was very, very good at getting those, those things. All good writers can, um, can give you concrete examples that act as metaphors to the, to the abstract idea. And so mastering that is really important. The best way to do that is to try to gather as many, is just to sort of try to be someone who is always has their antenna up for images. AJ, you're actually very good at this. Um, you, uh-huh. you, know, you are very good at giving those concrete examples that perfectly encapsulate like the mood in town. Ta- I'll give you a stupid example from this week. So it was raining. What day was it raining? Thursday this week? It was really rainy one of these days. There was a big storm Wednesday night. Anyway, yeah, one of I these days, it was yeah, a big storm was, Wednesday night. Or yesterday. Yeah. I think it was Thursday. Anyway, Thursday. big storm Thursday night, or Wednesday night, and I wore, it was really muddy at my house, and it was muddy at school, so I wore my boots. I wore big hunter rain boots to school, and I always feel like I look like a British uh, hunting gentleman when I wear my big boots mm-hmm. over my, like, my fancy teaching You do, pants it's fabulous. Anyway, so I was wearing my big boots, and I'm like, I'm not going to change into shoes when I get to school. I'm just going to wear my boots all day. Anyway, well, of course, this is a recipe for students making fun of you. Um, and so um, I was standing in the hall, and she was like, Mr. Johnson, I like your boots. And I was like, I don't think you do like my boots in the way that you said this. And AJ, I, I sort of jokingly turned to you, and I said, Mr. Hannenberg, the students are mocking my boots. And do you remember what you said? Something they can mock themselves right into wet socks? Yes, they can mock themselves right into wet socks. Now, this is, you are the master at doing this kind of stuff, AJ, <laughs> is that that is a, such a good example of the abstract concept. The thing that you're trying to say is they are secretly upset with themselves because they chose the wrong footwear and now right. they're having to suffer wet socks. But by making it as, like, clearly they're not, every single student is not making fun of my boots because of their wet socks, but... That little phrase like encapsulates um, the fact that the students were jealous of my boots. I'm not even do, doing it justice by explaining it, but you do. You are very good at taking the abstract, turning it into concrete with an example. The the plus side of this as a writer is that it is often witty and therefore humorous, right. Right. and you come across as like a jolly person, like AJ does, right. um, because he has like that sort of the. Uh, um, uh, uh, that ability to take those those abstract things and turn it into concrete is quite is I actually think it's one of the definitions of charming. Like to be charming is to be able to do that kind of thing, and so uh, yeah, you're a charming. You <laughs> have to take a walk, man. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so up over here. Um, so that but yes, so that example of like they can mock themselves into wet socks like um, is a stylistically uh, um, yeah is communicating a lot in a, in sort of a, a better style than if you actually took the. If you took the time to try to explain that in like academic prose <laughs> about why the students were talking about my boots, then it would be awful. Less, it would be you know not funny. Yeah. 
the students won't find it quite as humorous as they themselves have lacked boots and now have wet footwear. Yes. Um, Though I would have loved if you responded that yeah. way. That would have been great. The student is a wet-footed individual. <laughs> after mocking, All after students. being a person who yeah. mocks Graham's shoes. Yes. Anyway, so that's just our little, uh, our little like, tutorial on if you wanted to, like, just three, and the thing is they're not hard, three real fast things that you can do in anything that you write is to try to, like, Eliminate all the nouns you can and put verbs in there. Absolutely murder linking <laughs> verbs. If you find the word effect in there, like, give it no mercy. Mm-hmm. R- like, run it out of town. Um, I feel that way about howevers. Yeah, that's mm, fair. Yeah. That's fair. Um, and trying to find concrete examples that really encapsulate the abstract thing that you're trying to say. And that really is done, yes, again, like we said, with similes and metaphors and and... Mm-hmm. I have an example well, from sure. one of my favorite essays by Lewis. It's The Weight of Glory. If you haven't read it, you should read it. It's fantastic. It's only about nine pages. He says, let's see. I don't want to... We are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us, like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. Yeah. You know exactly what he's get- getting at with that. And, he, and he's not just getting at, like children and like mud like like it is a stand-in for a much more complicated idea yeah he says our lord finds our desires not too strong but too weak um if you can sort of master this you will begin to realize that you'll start doing things like taking out impersonal words like leadership and start putting in personal things like leaders leader or medical professionals and talking about dr bob um uh you'll you sort of start it's actually a lot more charitable to talk about real people in your sentences than to talk about abstract ideas or to talk about people who are abstract ideas. So-and-so is a thing. AJ is a socialist. And, and, um, and now you can t- sort of, you know, and then uh, and if you disagree with socialism, that is what AJ is. Mm-hmm. And you, you, all of a sudden you are going to be lacking charity in whatever you're talking about. Um, um, anyway. We can, maybe we can save those that for the in-between. Mm-hmm. But that's the, um, that's yeah, that's my little tutorial on how to write better and verbs. Yeah. When right. I came in, maybe it, it was like, so what's your podcast on? I said verbs. Do you remember your reaction? Blah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds awesome. Well, again, you've gone from Plantagenets to verb episodes. Yeah, yeah, so that's yeah. The <laughs> hey, the Plantagenets are coming back. Good, They're coming back. We are backsliders. <laughs> this podcast is a podcast about <laughs> classical things. You yes. can, the, the place... There is a place you can email us, and that place is theguysatclassicalstuff.net. Our email is the guys. Our email at, is theguysatclassicalstuff.net. Man, I really over your over emails that pudding, affect us. <laughs> <laughs> the greatly. <laughs> well, they greatly affect us, and they result in death. Wait, what? Twitter is a place Everybody. where you can be a person who tweets at us at CLSSCAL stuff. Uh-huh. You can also be a patron at our website. Patreon.com slash classical stuff. I'm crushing it. it. Yeah. Anyway. From the standpoint of the historical development of these, <laughs> of these intros and conclusions. All right. This podcast is over. Bye. Bye. Bye.